Good morning, everybody. It's good to see you all. If we haven't met, my name is Matt. I'm one of the leaders here, um, and it's really good to have you. If you're a guest especially, welcome. I hope that you find this morning uh, interesting, beneficial, that there's something here for you. Um, in particular, I'm, I'm looking at that back row. That looks like the fun row. What's interesting there is we've got a teacher in the back row. We've got a past student of mine as well, and it, there's always one naughty kid, Shane. There's, okay. Um, and Ma- where's Marius? I don't even know. No, Marius is the Marius is the one who gets the others in trouble. And <laughs> so um, we've uh, been going through this book in the Bible, the Old Testament. It's a book called Daniel, and there's some history in there. There's some dreams and visions about the future, and and God is weaving the story together in Daniel. Uh, it's interesting. There's so many threads, so many things that kind of pull together. And I, I believe that God really wants us to take something away from this book. It's not just, oh, it's an interesting book. Uh, the book of Daniel, like every book in the Bible, uh, God wants to speak something to us through that story. And so the book of Daniel is totally worth looking at. There's some very strange things going on, but there's still God speaking to us. And so it's worth, worth paying attention. Uh, Romans 15 verse 4, I've mentioned this before, I'm going to read it again. For everything that was written in the past, including Daniel, so Daniel was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught by the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. And that word hope in the Bible is a little bit more than the English word that we have in, in our language, hope is kind of, there's an uncertainty component to it. You know, like, I hope I win the lottery. I hope there's not broccoli for dinner. Um, and yet, in the Bible, hope is much more of a confidence about the future. And so, through books like Daniel, we get to have encouragement and endurance so that we might have a confident expectation about the future that God has for us. So there's so many threads in Daniel, and this is hard. I tried to summarize this yesterday. I was practicing this. It took me 11 minutes to summarize Daniel. Um, So I'm going to try and take two common themes, um, and I want to try and pull those together at the end. So the first theme is one of faithfulness. So much of this book uh, of Daniel is, is how are God's people meant to be faithful? Especially in a world where there's a dominant culture that's pretty aggressive towards what it is that you believe and the things that you hold on to. And so the challenge is faithfulness doesn't look like assimilation, right? You just assimilate into the culture. You just kind of ooze your way in and you just take the culture on. We're not out on backline on our board in the ocean and you're just drifting, with the tide and with the current. That takes no energy at all. And so we're definitely being encouraged to not do that. Don't assimilate. But we're also not encouraged to isolate, right? To just defend our little space and cloister away and create a little holy huddle and our own little businesses and our own little town and and we're just going to isolate. But God's actually speaking and sending his people out into Babylon. He sends his people out into Babylon 
to participate in his work of redemption. And so faithfulness doesn't mean just oozing into the culture and just kind of being passive. It doesn't mean isolating away, but it actually means holding a firm, very narrow, razor-sharp knife edge and being faithful to God and participating in the work that he's busy doing in wherever you find yourself, wherever God has kind of placed you. And the second theme is kind of an interesting one. It's around beastliness. Uh, And so what we see from Daniel time and time again is God's kind of exposing human nature. And in the very beginning in Genesis, God creates humankind and he sets them up to rule his good creation. They're supposed to govern or steward God's good creation for the flourishing of everyone and everything. But there's a warpedness, there's a corruption, there's a twistedness that comes in, in the form of sin. And and what we find, and, and God is putting his finger on, is saying, look at how humanity governs and rules now. And he points to a couple of kings, and he points to these pictures and these visions about future kingdoms. And he's saying, there's a, a beastliness. You're like, you become like beasts. When humans get together and they begin to express their authority and they begin to dominate and they begin to define for themselves, well, I think that this is right or this is wrong. And I get to oppress other peoples in the name of what I think is good and in the name of what I think is important for my people, my culture, my whatever. And so we begin to be less than human and we begin to treat other humans as less than human. And even in some of the pictures that God gives Daniel and these visions about the future, many of these kingdoms, God represents them as beasts and as animals, something not quite human. And so God kind of brings all of these pictures together. And finally, we have Daniel in chapter 9. We read last week, Daniel prays this amazing prayer of repentance. I want to, wow, I want to encourage you. Go read that chapter again. And you want to learn how to pray? Sheesh, there's some amazing stuff in there. But Daniel's pretty much saying, you know what, God, you said we would be in exile for 70 years. Time's up. Can we go home? Can we go back now? And God sends an angel to speak to him, and the angel has terrible news. Seventy years is not enough to deal with the sin of his people. Seventy sevens are required. Oh no. This this is this is this is bad news. And again, God's putting his finger on this something in humankind that is warped and corrupted and twisted. There's something inside of us that needs to be dealt with. We cannot go on with God's good creation and steward and rule and lead and facilitate growth and flourishing with something that's inside of us. And so God is saying we need to deal with that. And so now we get to chapter 10, right? And so um, if you were doing a screenplay or writing this book, how would you finish this story? Right? What would be the closing scene in your mind? What's going to be a good finish? I like happy endings. 
I don't, I don't like particularly watching dramas. I don't want to go and cry. I actually want to escape. For, I have, there's enough crying in the world right now. I want to watch something happy. So if it was me, it's going to be happy. We're all going to go back. The kingdom's going to be great. Uh, how, would you, how would you end it? And so God has a surprise. Well, I'm surprised by the ending. So let's see where this goes. Now, if you've ever watched a series before, I don't know if you're into series. Anyone into series? You like series? Right? I, I kind of got into series and then I got out because then it was season three, season four, season 75. It just never ends. Like I like, you know, let's go for a two-part series and then we're done. And so in this particular series, we've gotten to the end story and the end story is so big, they've made it a double episode. In fact, they've made it a triple chapter. You know when you've got like your 30-minute episodes? Well, this is like the hour-long final episode. This is the three-chapter episode. And so just to help you track with me, I'm going to talk about three points, just so you stay with me. Um, and so the, the first point is actually a question, is what is the end? What is the end? And so Daniel's having all these visions, and God's going to give him a little glimpse, just a little snippet. What's the end of all of this going to look like? So I want you to think about something through the whole, the rest of, of my message here. Just a, a little one-liner. And the one-liner goes like this. What you believe about your future shapes how you live now. What you believe about the future shapes how you live now. And so God's going to give us a, a glimpse of the end. Does that shape how you live now? Or maybe we can put it the other way around. How you live now, how I live now, reflects what I believe about the future. Hey. How I live now reflects what I believe about the future. So keep that in mind. So what is the end? Daniel chapter 10. Daniel's probably in his 80s, right? He spent his whole, almost his entire life, most of his living memory in Babylon. And uh, actually, it's about three years probably since the, the first set of exiles have now returned to Jerusalem. Daniel is still here in Babylon, and he's been told Previously, 77s are required to actually deal with the sin of God's people. So Daniel chapter 10 and then chapter 11 and chapter 12. Good news. I'm not reading everything. <laughs> okay, so let me, let me just read the first uh, seven verses. Daniel chapter 10. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a revelation was given to Daniel, who was called Belteshazzar. Remember, that's his Babylonian name. Its message was true. And it concerned a great war. Here we go again. More war. The understanding of the message came to him in a vision. At that time, I, Daniel, mourned for three weeks. What does mourning look like for three weeks? I ate no choice food, no meat, or wine touched my lips, and I used no lotions at all until the three weeks were over. Anyone? Lotions? I, haven't, I don't know. Do I use a lotion? I don't think I use lotions. But that's part of his, his morning process. On the 24th day of the first month, I was standing on the bank of the great river, the Tigris. So there's this river in Babylon. He's standing there. I looked up, and before me was a man dressed in linen. Okay, so first up, here's a guy that's up. All right. He's dressed in linen with a belt of fine gold from Upaz around his waist. His body was like topaz. Okay, so 
So topaz is this sort of semi-precious stone. It's got a range of different colors that it could potentially have. His face was like lightning. Okay, now that's very unusual. His eyes are like flaming torches. His arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze. And his voice like the sound of a multitude. What is going on here? Okay, so if you're a guest, I, I get it. This is really, really, there's some weird stuff going on here. But Daniel's having a vision. There's some heavenly being, an angelic being that he's seeing. And this, this is powerful, powerful stuff. So I, Daniel, was the only one who saw the vision. Those who were with me didn't see it, but such terror overwhelmed them that they fled and hid themselves. Thanks, brothers, for hanging with me, being with me. There's your shield on your left and your right. None of that. Okay, they're gone. Right, this, this being is so powerful that even to not see him is terrifying. Daniel actually sees him. I was left alone gazing at this great vision, and I had no strength left. No kidding. My face turned deathly pale, and I was helpless. Then I heard him speaking, and as I listened to him, I fell into a deep sleep, my, my sleep, my face to the ground. Right? As soon as this guy speaks, Daniel's out. Done. Face down. This is terrifying, powerful, scary stuff. What is going on here? God's got a powerful message to give Daniel. Right. So permit me, please, to summarize the rest of the chapter here. So Daniel is now face down. This angelic being reaches down and touches him. Now Daniel can get up onto his hands and his knees. Right? He's, he's sort of up, but he's still down, and he's terrified. Then the angel says to him, stand up. So he stands up, but he's shaking, and he's weak, and he can't speak. And the angel touches him, and he's strengthened. And then the angel says, now that you are strengthened, I've got a message for you. You need to be strong enough to hear what it is that I'm going to tell you. Then we get to chapter 11, and we're told there's going to be three kings that are still coming. Oh, and then there's a fourth. And then that king will have his kingdom divided up into four parts. And then there's going to be a king in the south that's ruling. Oh, there's going to be another guy who also is going to rule. And oh, then they're going to make an alliance, but then that alliance breaks. And then there's king after king after king after king and kingdom and kingdom and kingdom. And there's just, there's war and there's slaughter and there's death and there's destruction. And this is, this is consistent with the rest of what God has been saying throughout the whole of Daniel. And human beings raising themselves up to be in power and authority over others and to protect and defend what is theirs and to be willing to take the lives of others. And human beings being less than human, treating other humans as subhuman as well. And so we've seen several visions now, several dreams, and this is just happening again. But now God shows him there's this final king, of course, who is super powerful and who takes over so many nations. No one can stand against this king. And it's this terrifying vision and war and war and war and war. And then the last verse of chapter 11, verse 45, 
Right? We, we're being told of the power of this final king. Yet he will come to his end and no one will help him. Done. That's the end of it. That's what we get as the last and final verse. You want to know what happens at the very end with all the wars and all the battles? Yeah, he'll end. No one to help him. Done. And so then we get to chapter 12. Now this is where I'm going to start reading. So I'll, I'll put it up here because we're going to read the whole of chapter 12. And so at that time, Michael, the great prince who protects your people, will arise. So this is the archangel Michael. And so there will be a time of distress such as not happened from the beginning of nations until then. But at that time, your people, everyone whose name is written in the book. You know the book? What book? <laughs> what are we talking about? Right, there's, there's a few times where books are mentioned like this. And so this, this is sort of the book of life, the book of God's people. Right? Is your name in this book? You belong to God. Are you in this book? They will be delivered. In verse 2, this is, this is real interesting. Multitudes. How much is multitudes? It's a lot. Right? A lot. Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake. Okay. So, especially for Old Testament Jewish readers, but it should be for us as Christians, humans sleeping in the dust. What bell is ringing there? What should we be thinking of here? We're going to go back to page three of the Bible, right? And so, God creates humankind from the dust of the earth, and the consequences of sin is that to dust we will return, there is a dying that comes about in God's good creation that's gone wrong. And so humans return to the dust. And so here we have a picture of multitudes who are sleeping in the dust. Right? We're not talking about a whole bunch of people who went to the desert for a nap. Okay? This is a nice way of saying everybody who has died will Awake, right? So if you're sleeping, you're waking up. If you're, di- if you're dead, you come to life again. There's a resurrection here. Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life, and others to shame and everlasting contempt. Okay. There's a resurrection for every human being at the end, Daniel. Every human being. Some to everlasting glory and life and others to everlasting shame and contempt. I don't know about you. I want to know what, what do we have to do to be in the everlasting glory option. Because the shame and contempt doesn't sound good. Those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the heavens, and those who lead many to righteousness will shine like the stars forever and ever. Okay, so righteousness is an issue here. But you, Daniel, roll up and seal the words of the scroll until the time of the end. Many will go here and there to increase knowledge. So here's a glimpse. Let me show you what's going to happen at the end. Okay, we're done. Close it up. No more. Just this little glimpse. I, what? 
I'm not happy with this answer. I want to know. What's, what's going to happen? What's the glimpse of the end? I don't get it. There's resurrection and then, okay, no more. We're not talking about it. Okay, so then I, Daniel, verse 5, looked, and there before me stood two others, one on this bank of the river and one on the opposite bank. So remember, he's, he's standing at the bank of the river Tigris. There's a guy up above the river, and now two others appear on either side of the bank. One of them said to the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the river, just for extra emphasis, how long will it be before these astonishing things are fulfilled? Yeah, yeah, I want to know. Tell me. Then the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the river, just for clarity, lifted his right hand, lifted his left hand toward heaven, and I heard him swear by him who lives forever, saying, it will be for a time, times, and a half a time. (laughs) What? (laughs) What are you talking about? When the power of the holy people has been finally broken, all these things will be completed. Verse 8. I heard, but I did not understand. Yeah, us too. So I asked, my Lord, what will the outcome of these things be? Okay, can you tell me now, please? He replied, go your way. <laughs> Just, no, carry on. I'm not going to answer you. Go your way, because the words are rolled up and sealed until this time of the end. Okay, so... Anyone see here, Daniel's the guy when you have a dream that you don't understand what's going on. Let's call Daniel because God is able to tell him. God's able to reveal to him. Daniel has done this again and again and again. But this time around, Daniel has no clue what's going on and God's not telling him. Gives us just a little bit of a glimpse and then says, nope, that's it. Many will be purified, verse 10, made spotless. And refined. But the wicked will continue to be wicked. None of the wicked will understand, but those who are wise will understand. All right, so righteousness was one of the things that was mentioned, and now we've got wickedness that is mentioned. So there's something to be thinking about here. What is it that God has been putting his finger on the whole time? There is a corruption, there is a beastliness, there is something that twists and corrupts and warps. All of humankind. And those who are righteous at the end will receive everlasting glory. And those who are unrighteous or who are stuck in this cycle of corruption and twistedness, they are the ones that will receive everlasting contempt and shame. Now, verse 11 and 12. Okay. There is a lot of debate around this, a lot of debate. I'm, I'm not going to dive into all the options, but I'm going to read it just to say, I promise I haven't skipped anything. So verse 11, from the time that the daily sacrifice is abolished and the abomination that causes desolation is set up, and we've read this in previous chapters already, there will be 1,290 days. Blessed is the one who waits for and reaches the end of the 1,335 days. Okay, so we're back to mystic, uh, where is this going? And then, you know what the final verses, the final, the closing sentence in this entire book. As for you, Daniel, go your way. 
till the end. It's not, not bad advice. As for you, Christian, as for you, follower of Jesus, yes, there is an end. Yes, there's stuff going on. Go your way. Get on with life. Do what God has called you to do till the end. Daniel, you will rest. And so very often in the Old Testament we see you will rest with your ancestors. That's a nice way of saying you have passed away. You have died. So Daniel, you're an old man now. You are going to die. You will rest. And at the end of the days, you will rise to receive your allotted inheritance. Here endeth the story. Now, sometimes I I prefer the kinds of books and movies where you get to the end and you go, ah, that's so nice. It's a satisfying end. That doesn't mean necessarily that it's a good story. Because sometimes you get to the end of a good story and you need to digest that for a few days to kind of get the depth and the richness of what's really happening. I think this is one of those. There's a digestion <laughs> that needs to happen here. There's a, okay, I've got to just let this percolate for a little bit. I've got to let this sink in. I've got to meditate on this one for a while. Through the book of Daniel, God has shown that he's sovereign and that he's in control, that there is a beastliness and a corruption in human nature And humankind is going to repeatedly, has repeatedly and will repeatedly continue to bring death and destruction and oppression. And God's going to wrap all of this up. By ending human rule, he's going to establish his own kingdom. We've seen this theme through the book of Daniel. And there's going to be a resurrection of all people one day. Some to everlasting glory and some to everlasting shame and contempt. We don't know when that's going to happen, but go your way because there is an inheritance that you will receive one day. That's an interesting way to maybe summarize this book. There is an inheritance waiting for you one day. What you believe about your future shapes how you live now. And so then Jesus enters the story. This changes how we see the story. Jesus enters the scene several hundred years now after Daniel. And he arrives calling people to repentance, saying the kingdom of God is at hand. And so for many people who hear this, these are God's people, Jewish nation, and they're hearing kingdom of God. There's our rock from Daniel chapter 2 that's going to shatter the oppressive kingdoms of the earth. And it's going to establish God's kingdom and expand through the world. Is this it? Are you going to do it, Jesus? Are you going to release us from the oppressive Roman rule? So you know what Jesus does? Is he walks around dealing with the corruption of people's bodies and death. And he heals people. And he even raises some from the dead. And he addresses the corruption in the religious leaders of the day. And he tunes them. And he offers people forgiveness 
for their own twisted nature and corruption inside of them. And he offers them freedom and love from that. And then he takes on our sin on himself. And he is murdered. And three days later, rises again. There's resurrection in Jesus. He confronts that twisted, warped power, something in us, and he defeats it. The Apostle Paul puts it like this, Colossians chapter 2, verse 13 to 15. Let me just do verse 15. Having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. This twisted, warped corruption, this evil power that has something over us is defeated. Jesus triumphed over them. When did he do that? When he died and he rose again. Power of sin and death and corruption taken away. You're beaten. You're done. But not entirely. Jesus says, oh, I'm, I'm, com- I'm coming back. I'm going to come back. <laughs> and I'm going to make it finished. And so now we live in this split reality. Because if you've put your faith in Jesus... The power of that nature inside of us is broken. We are given a new way of being human. There is a power outside of ourselves, a power from God, a new spirit given to us that enables us to live in this new way. And so for those of us who've put our faith in Jesus, we experience this disconnect, this schism, this sometimes I, I, I get to do good, and sometimes I just keep slipping back up into that old way. The Apostle Paul says, you know, the things I want to do, I don't do, and the things I don't want to do, I keep doing it. Who's going to rescue me? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who gives us the victory. And so, yeah, we live in this space, this tension now. And there's the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of God made available to us through Jesus Christ's death and resurrection. And Jesus says, I'm coming back. I want you to do something. I want you to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. And I will be with you till the very end, because I know when the end is coming, and I know what's, what's coming there. And so... So here we are. Here we are. There's the picture of the end, and Jesus has just flipped that whole story. And he's, he's coming back. So, third point. What do we do? What do we do until then? What do we do while we wait? I've got one final passage I want to look at. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 11 to 14. This is the Apostle Peter, and he's writing. He's talking about this end day. He's maybe added in a few more details. He's talking about fire burning stuff up, things dissolving. There is part destruction in the language of this fire, but there's also part revealing. There is an exposing of what is really actually there. 
And so verse 13, when you would, sorry, I beg your pardon, verse 11. Since everything will be destroyed this way, what kind of people ought you to be? Because what you believe about the future shapes how you live now. If you believe that Jesus has given resurrection life, he's taken on your sin for you. There's going to be everlasting glory. The righteousness of Jesus is available to you, given to you at his death and resurrection by faith. It's a free gift. If you believe that, Peter says, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. That's interesting. Right? So how should you live? Well, as you, as you wait, some of the other translations say, as you look forward to that day, live holy and godly lives and speed its coming. How do I speed its coming? Bring the kingdom of God into your world. And Jesus taught us to pray, may your kingdom come. That doesn't mean, I'm going to sit, please let it come, Lord. It means, God, I'm going to be a vessel. Bring your kingdom. What can I do to bring your kingdom? Use me. Help me. I'm available, God. Bring your kingdom. Hasten the day. Bring it on, basically. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. Verse 13. But in keeping with his promise, what are we looking forward to? What's the future vision? What's the future hold? We're looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth. Hey, Genesis 1, God creates a wonderful creation. It's good. Heavens, earth, there's a corruption and a warpness and a twistedness. And Jesus came to deal with that. And you know what's coming our way at the end? New heavens, new earth. God's space, our space, together. We will be together with God for eternity. Man, you know, if you're a guest and you're like, oh, this is why I don't do the churchy stuff. I get it. I get it. This, this can seem strange and bizarre. But I want to encourage you, think on this. Reflect on this. Spend some time. Don't just discard it. Say, okay, I'll put some thought into this. Let's just see. Maybe even just pray. God, if you're real, if you are out there, help me understand this just a little bit more. Verse 14, so then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. Because what I believe about my future shapes how I live now. And how I live now reveals what I think about my future. What what does God intend for us when he says, be spotless? What does God intend for us when he says, be blameless? What does God mean when he says, be at peace with him? So I don't know where you are at and the things that you're experiencing and the wrestles that you have. 
the more I read this kind of stuff in the Bible, the more I'm convinced this is, why are we reading this crazy stuff? <laughs> why, why should I read Daniel? This, this, does this have anything to do with anything? It has everything to do with everything. This is the fundamental nature of whatever brokenness you're experiencing right now. Yes, God's not surprised by that. He actually knows about it. He knows why those things are broken. And he's, he's made a way for healing and restoration. And if it's not done fully now, then one day it will be fully done. There is a power and a new way to live. You have the ability to live in the space that you are in. You have this new power available to you to get through the season that you are in. You have the power and the ability to be part of something eternal that is bigger than yourself. And so I'm not going to go into any practicals now. I'm not going to say, all right, so let's talk about money and sex and power and go into all those things. Here's an invitation for you. You go and find God. What what does holiness look like for you? What do you want to say to me, God? What does being spotless look like to you? Based on the future that I have, you're wanting me to make a change. God, what, is, what do you want me to do? Now, we need to be careful here. Let's not be the ones to define that for ourselves. Because God's defined it. And it's sitting in his word. And I want to encourage you to read that word. Go find out what does God want for you. And so in a moment, we're going to take communion. This makes sense in light of Jesus' death and resurrection. Because without that, if there is a resurrection coming one day, and it's an issue of righteousness or unrighteousness, I want to say none of us are going to be in the righteousness category. None of us. And if you are saying, you know what? I'm not sure I believe in the Jesus guy, but I think I will be in the righteous category I want to say that the book of Daniel has something else to say. It's pointing to a deeper, more insidious twisting and corruption that it's hard for us to become aware of until God opens our eyes to it. And so we get to celebrate Jesus taking on our sin and corruption upon himself. And he gets that judgment. So on that day, at the end... When everything is exposed, everything will be exposed. Are you ready for everything to be exposed? I'm so grateful that Jesus took that upon himself. And he was fully exposed and died the death that you and I deserved. He took on the judgment that you and I deserved. And so when we take communion, we get to celebrate that. There is a joy and a horror at the same time. That part of me, God, is why Jesus had to die. That is awful. But I get to experience the resurrection life of Jesus, the righteousness of Jesus given to me. That's amazing. That's amazing. Now, if you are not a Christ follower and you haven't put your faith in God, I want to appeal to you, please don't take this bread and this juice. Please don't. We believe that it is very powerful and very meaningful. If you want to sit and stay where you are, if you want to stand, you can watch. You can even pray, by all means. 
Please don't feel the pressure of people looking at you and judging you. I want to say, nobody here is judging you. And if they are, they shouldn't be. No, if you don't take communion, it's fine. It really is. But if you are a Christ follower, what a wonderful opportunity to both celebrate and to say, God, what, I'm looking forward to that day when, when Jesus returns and makes this thing finished and makes it right. So how do you want me to live now? We take the bread, we take the juice. Jesus, your death and resurrection, what does being spotless look like for you? Before we do that, I just want to invite Linz up just to share one or two things. And then I think there's a handheld there. I think I was just so taken by the human element of the story um, as Matt was preparing, just uh, sort of going through the motions of how Daniel must have felt, thinking about his story all along, um, his faithfulness and praying when he knew the consequence and how he made it through the lion's den and how he just remained faithful through all these sort of radical, huge life events and how he got to this point in his older age um, where he had this vision and he realized that the, one of the things that he maybe humanly started to put his hope in of the time when he, he got to see his people go back um, sort of wouldn't materialize in the way that he had hoped for and, and anticipated. And I just, I just felt the, the sort of heaviness and the weight of, of what that must have been like for him, um, how distressing and how disappointing. Um, and it made me think of the scripture in Proverbs that says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. Uh, and how wise of the Lord to share that through Solomon with us, uh, knowing that we would experience that, um, and that um, that's a very real part of our lives, um, and how that is followed on, but a dream come true is a tree of life, and, uh, and just how, you know, Daniel was looking on that side of history without knowing how to play out with Jesus, and without being able to see that, um, but, uh, and just the, the element of Daniel, but I'm working. I know this isn't how you wanted it to, to, it to turn out, um, but I'm working and I have a big plan and it's, it's working out. Don't, you know, don't worry. Hold on. Keep going. You've been so faithful. Just another day. Just another day. I just The human ele- elements of that just really rang true and how he trembled and how he lay in bed feeling sick for all those weeks at different parts of the story. And, um, and I was just so taken by the fact that we are on this side of history uh, and Jesus has been... And, and we still have hopes, hey? We still have things that, promises that are maybe not yet fulfilled or that we've clung to on a very human level. And, um, and we have days when we wake up and we realize that those aren't playing out how we wanted. Or we have to live another day, like just another day of faithfulness, and that's hard. And um, I just, I was overcome at how powerful and strong God is um, to to sort of overlook our, to say, come on, Daniel, come on, just another day, keep going, go continue to be at work, but at the same time, he just, his words are so tender, he says, the the angel of the Lord says, oh man, greatly loved, fear not, peace be with you, just his tender words in chapter 10, like again and again, he, he speaks so tenderly to Daniel, as if I see and I know, you know, I, I think the Lord feels that same level of, of disappointment for us because it wasn't supposed to be that way. Um, that wasn't the original intention. And so um, I just felt that if anybody is feeling like they t- they've taken another hit 
which is such a real thing, um, that uh, I, I just, the scripture of um, Lamentations where it says his mercies are new every morning, just sort of, sort of rang in me of like, tomorrow he'll give you more of what you need for tomorrow, um, even if that's hard or even if it's a, yeah, just a dark day or you took another hit there's another morning and there's mercies and grace new for that day and we cannot outdo him in faithfulness. He outdoes us in faithfulness every time and he will continue to and so he looks on you with compassion but his arm is strong to continue his work through history. Um, so, yeah, and I just felt for those who are kind of looking on the outside um, who maybe look at Daniel and think in some ways, <laughs> that's Daniel, that's not me. <laughs> Maybe he could make it through all of those things, but I can't. Um, I just, yeah, the reminder that he's the one that's faithful and not us working out that righteousness and that faithfulness of our own. He enables us to be faithful to him by his faithfulness. Um, And if you're looking on the outside, I just, yeah, I just felt that um, my prayer is that there would be something that changes today uh, whether it's a physical, sometimes the Lord meets us in a physical way, um, or I don't know what it is, but I just have that sense of just be open to the potential of something. It doesn't have to be a big stride. Uh, he, yeah, he rushes in like a flood even to our little responses. So, um, yeah, I hope that's an encouragement. <laughs>